Some time later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns when we preach the Lord, word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came to Derb and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions travelled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the body of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Marcia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of man of Macedonium standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready to leave at once for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Great to be uh, with you uh, in the church building. Great uh, to welcome those tuning in uh, online at home. If you've got a Bible or uh, something on your phone and you want to keep that passage open, uh, do you might find it uh, helpful. Three really intriguing uh, kind of snapshots uh, from this part of Acts. We're, we're spending some time over the summer in these middle chapters of Acts uh, as we physically reopen our doors to welcome people back into our building to help us as a church community, I guess, keep the doors of our life together open to welcome people not just back in but to be sent out ourselves uh, to reach others and we, we we heard it read probably what two two minutes ago by by jenny Acts 16 verse 5 where it says the churches were strengthened in faith and grew in number that strengthening of faith and growing in number is, is a bit like a drumbeat that you get through the book of Acts. You come across it several times. Every time the history-shaping, world-changing, life-transforming message that Jesus is real, that he's risen, and that he is for everyone, we hear that the churches grew and increased in number. Perhaps you remember this from a few weeks ago. Uh, Lizzie uh, and her balloons. I don't know if you remember this. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to copy it, but here we go. As the message about Jesus uh, goes out through the power of the Spirit, we find that more and more people become followers of Jesus. And the church grows. And new churches are started. And guess what? They grow. And they plant new churches. 
And in turn, they grow. They're strengthened. And they plant new churches. Lizzie did it so much more, uh, more uh, sort of, I don't know, elegantly than I have. Uh, and so we, we see this drumbeat happening. The church is being strengthened in faith and growing in number. And we're told at this point in Acts, Acts 16 verse 5, we're told specifically at this point because this is the point at which the message that Jesus is real, that he's risen and that he's for everyone goes into new territory. As it's taken across in the, to Macedonia, we realize this is the good news about Jesus Christ heading into this, this strange continent known as Europe and would eventually reach these far off Foreign-sounding lands like Britain, places like that. And here we are in Britain many centuries later. And I wonder if you hear that verse, Acts 16 verse 5, uh, churches strengthened in faith and growing in number. Does that, does that fit your experience? Perhaps actually we're more tempted to think, um, looking around, well, actually the, the churches are limping in faith. And shrinking in number daily. After all, don't we see a church where there's just disagreement? That can't be a church. It's going to be strengthened and grow in number. And after all, don't we see church leaders seeming to do some pretty strange things? Say one thing, do another. That's not going to be a church that's strengthened in faith and growing in number, is it? Or what about when the plans, our plans, just keep on changing? Surely that's not going to be a church that's strengthened in faith and growing in number. And perhaps you've heard it said, like I've heard it said, that what we really need to do, therefore, is go back to Acts and be much more like the churches we find here. I wonder if you've heard that said. But my suggestion is, if we do that, we need to read Acts just a bit more closely. Because let's just take our reading this morning. Chapter 15, verse 39, what do we find? Paul and Barnabas have such a sharp disagreement, they have to go their separate ways. And what happens? Verse 41, churches are strengthened. Or we go to chapter 16, verse 3, Paul circumcises Timothy, having just shouted very loudly that you don't need to be circumcised in order to be a true Christian. And what happens? We read in verse 5, the churches are strengthened in the faith and grow daily in number. We go down to chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. Paul and his team have their plans totally changed. And what happens? We read in verse 10, the gospel gets to be preached somewhere new. Now, hear me right. I, I'm not suggesting now that the way we at St. Luke's grow and are strengthened is to have more disagreements, make some more strange decisions, and constantly change our plans. What I'm inviting us to do today is to rehear Jesus' words when he says, I will build my church. Not buildings, but the people of God, the forgiven followers of Jesus. You see, Jesus has not given up on his promise. Jesus has not found this promise too hard to keep. Jesus has not got bored of his promise of building his church. And even in unlikely circumstances and surroundings that we find ourselves in today, he continues to strengthen the church and to grow it. We see it happening in this part of Acts, and we're going to see today a little bit, I hope, about what it means for us today in our small corner of Leicestershire. 
We see churches strengthened and growing even when there's disagreements. That's that kind of first chunk we heard read, the end of chapter 15. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you'll, you'll know we've joined Paul and Barnabas, essentially going on tour, taking the message that Jesus is real, he's risen and for everyone uh, around it, and, and sharing that with anyone and everyone they've met. And their plan is basically to retrace their steps and see how people are doing. But there's a sticking point, and his name is John. His name's also Mark. He's the same Mark behind Mark's gospel. He'd been with Paul and Barnabas at the start of this talk, but then he ditched them. We're not actually told why. Maybe things just got too tough for him. Maybe he got ill. Maybe he just had other commitments he had to see to. We're not told. But at this point, Barnabas wants Mark to join them again. What does Paul think? He thinks it's a terrible idea. Okay, bit of audience participation. Who was right? Paul or Barnabas? Hands up if you think Barnabas was in the right. Interesting. Nobody. Who thinks Paul was in the right? Interesting. Nobody. Oh, nobody. Or, or you're, you're holding your cards closely to your chest. I don't know what you think at home. Uh, neither of them budged. Neither of them budged. And we're not told, are we? I don't think we're even given a hint of who's right. I think if in your mind, even if you didn't reveal it, if you were, if you were plumping for, for, for Barnabas, that probably means you're more people-orientated. If you were kind of leaning towards Paul, that probably means you're more task-orientated. Because Barnabas was the encourager. Mark was his cousin, and he wanted to build Mark up. Paul saw the job that was to be done, and he wanted to go and strengthen churches. We don't know which one's right. In fact, we might say both of them are kind of right in their own way. And which is why it makes their disagreements so tricky to navigate. Now here's the thing for us. Disagreements between Christians in churches happen. Often, as it was in the case with Barnabas and uh, uh, Mark, there's, there's a family connection involved. It adds to the complexity, it adds to the emotion. There are some disagreements that happen that are theological. They're, they're about who God is, what he's like, how he acts, what he's done in history. And those are the moments we need to together return to the Bible and see what God himself says about himself, about what life is like, how it's truly to be lived with Jesus. But then there are disagreements that are just much more about the practicalities of things, the kind of John Mark situations. And I want to suggest that just very occasionally, going separate ways, ends up being the way to go. I doubt Barnabas and Paul would have realized it or felt it in the moment. But Jesus was still at work, even through their sharp disagreement. Why? Because now we have two mission teams, don't we? Taking the message of Jesus out. Now, I want to be really clear. I'm not encouraging us this morning to all have a big bust up at the end of the sermon. Uh, or at the end of the service. Um, but for us not to despair when we do see those things happening, knowing that through it, even through those things, Jesus still builds his church. And I think, I, I think we do need to be quite careful at, at this point in time. Uh, with the ending of most COVID restrictions, there are going to be some of us who are quite cautious about things. There's going to be others of us who, who disagree and want to be much more confident about things. 
And we just need to be incredibly careful. That doesn't end in sharp disagreements. But instead, it involves us strengthening each other in the faith. Very occasionally, there'll be a disagreement that leads to some kind of separation. It won't be easy. It will be painful. But we don't have to despair because Jesus says, I will build my church. Church is strengthened and growing even through disagreements. And secondly, even when Christians seem to do some pretty strange things. So it starts off chapter 16. Uh, Paul travels back to the places he's uh, visited, uh, taking Silas with him, and they land in a place called Lystra. Now, little pop quiz for those of you paying attention a couple of weeks ago. He's already been in Lystra about a chapter and a bit ago. Anyone remember what happened? Ooh. Oh, you're in the hot seat now. Anyone? It was a good experience. He came away feeling really positive about Lystra. I'm getting some, I'm getting some tentative shakes of the head. Well, you're right. He's, he, he, he's attacked with people throwing stones at him. He's dragged out of the city and he's left for dead. Pretty strange thing, first of all, to go back. But this time it seems much more encouraging because there's this man, young man, a faithful follower of Jesus called Timothy. And Paul wants to invite Timothy to join him on his journey. And we find out at the end of verse 1, uh, Timothy, uh, his mother was, a, uh, was Jewish and was a believer. Uh, but that his father uh, was a Greek. He was a Gentile. The result was Timothy had not been circumcised. He'd not got the mark uh, of belonging to the, the Jewish community. Now, we're just very bluntly told, verse 3, Paul circumcised him. Now, let's be clear, Timothy was not an eight-day-old baby. He was probably 16, okay? Taking the cut in the downstairs department at that age, I would suggest, is a big deal. For men amongst us, we might be wincing. Why on earth did Paul ask Timothy to do this when just a chapter ago Paul was declaring as loud as he could you don't need to be circumcised in order to be a true Christian. Doesn't it seem like a strange decision? Strange decision for Paul, even stranger for Timothy to put himself through it. Except if we read carefully, this is not about Timothy becoming a proper Christian. He already was by faith in Jesus alone. It was because at the end of verse 3 we're told because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Timothy was circumcised, so the Jewish people in that area would listen to what he had to say. And what he had to say was the most important thing in the world, that Jesus is real, he's risen, and he's for them. Timothy literally took a cut to his life so that others would get to know Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm pretty confident none of us will need to be circumcised, so others will need to uh, get to know Jesus. But just take a moment for just just take a moment in your head. Uh, think of somebody who has been or is at the moment important to your growing in faith, or or somebody who was vital to the you coming to faith in the first place. Who are they? Bring them to mind. I'm pretty confident that they will have taken a cut in their life for you. 
I think for myself, of, of those who in, invested in me, who walked with me as a teenager, I'm pretty sure I don't know the cuts that they made in their lives for me to know Jesus. And I imagine at times the cuts probably felt quite difficult to make and would have felt painful. I'm sure those around them, maybe work colleagues or uh, friends who, who weren't Christians, looked at them and just thought they were making some pretty strange decisions. And so it's why I stand on, on the start day of Hungerton Camp today, uh, incredibly grateful to God for all those who are serving this week. Some of them are giving a week up, a week of annual leave to be there, a time when they could be doing different good things uh, giving out energy, perhaps energy they don't quite feel like they've got right now. Why? So that young people get to know Jesus. But it's not just about one week in the year. It's about the, the cuts to life for the week in, week out, regular groups to happen. Whether that's for children or for young people, whether it's uh, for uh, families, for home groups, for vitality to happen. And I think these verses just invite us to think through, what are the cuts I'm going to make? What are the cuts that you're going to make in this season? Not to make you a proper Christian, faith in Jesus alone does that, but because of the people groups who live in our area, the children, the families, the young people, the, the young adults, those from a Hindu or Sikh background, for those people in your home group, those who are socially isolated, those who are full-time carers, for them to know Jesus. Church is strengthened and growing. Uh, because Christians do some strange things. And lastly, churches are strengthened and growing, uh, we read in our third uh, account in Acts 16, uh, when plans change. Paul and his team, including now Timothy, they continue with their plan to retrace Paul's steps from his earlier journey. And as they go in the second half of uh, verse 6, we're told they were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of uh, Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. Uh, Bithynia. Is that oh, a name? There we go. It matters to them, and I will work harder next time at saying it properly. But the Spirit of Jesus, we're told, would not allow them to. Now, how did the Holy Spirit do that? How? We're not told, are we? We're not told. It could have been that inner sense that this just wasn't the right thing to be doing. It might have been circumstances. In today's language, we might say they couldn't couldn't get over the border. The border was closed. They couldn't get a visa. Uh, perhaps it was a prophetic word from a, a, a trusted believer. And so they just keep going. And they keep going. And they keep going until the land runs out. And they're at the sea and they find themselves in this place called Troas. And that's where Paul has his vision in verse 9 of a man from Macedonia begging them to come across and help. To bring that message that Jesus is real. He's risen. He's for everyone to them. Verse 10 we read, that's what they conclude they must do. That wasn't their plan. That wasn't the plan. But you know what? They end up exactly where God would have them be. Now, I imagine in this room and at home, we would have between us hundreds of stories of how we've gone out in our plans to find that God has changed them to land us exactly where he wants us to be. I imagine there'll be some of you here this morning or watching this who never had the plan to live in Leicester or Leicestershire. And yet here you are. You maybe never planned to have the job that you've got, but there you are. I'll let you on to a secret. I never planned to be a vicar. And yet here I am, 
They're all slightly petrified about it. You see, our plans sometimes get us to the starting point of something else that we never imagined. But how do we know it's God who's, who's guiding us? Well, I guess here we just have a few principles. We, we see a realization that happened over a period of time. We see opportunities that they thought they could take didn't happen. I imagine there was plenty of prayer. There was the Spirit's input and prompting. They didn't do this on their own, but they did it with others. They did it together. And in the coming years, we have, I guess, particular plans, don't we, to be planting a church in Thermiston. And it took us a while to work out why it should be Thermiston. We, we tried a few locations, and each time it felt like the Spirit was keeping us from that. And eventually, we, we received an invitation. It wasn't quite the Macedonian man saying, begging, the Thermiston man, begging, please come and help us. No, no, but we, we received an invitation. Would you come? The other plan, to build and open the Hub Community Cafe in Thermby. Uh, these two things, well, they may not go according to the plans we have right now. Many of us had planned for the Hub probably to be built and opened by now. But can you imagine if that had been the case a year ago? Trying to start a new community center and cafe in the midst of a pandemic? Wasn't that God's mercy that he spared us that experience? Frustrations with paperwork instead. Uh, and, and I think it's no coincidence that the week COVID restrictions lift, suddenly the planning application has gone in. Isn't that wonderful? So we trust the Lord's leading. Might not be our plans, but God is doing exactly what he wants. The church is strengthened and growing, even when plans change. Over the last 16 months, those words, that promise from Jesus, I will build my church, have been such an encouragement to me. There have been plenty of days where I've looked at the life of St. Luke's in a pandemic and I don't know what to do. How do we do it? I don't know. I still don't know. But I trust that Jesus says, I will build my church. And the other words of Jesus that have gone hand in hand with that are the words he speaks to the woman who anoints his feet with perfume. And people are outraged at what she's done. Jesus turns and says to them, she did what she could. We're to do what we can. Jesus says, I will build my church. Do what you can. Let's not, disagree. Let's, let's not let disagreements turn sharp. But if, we, if they do, let's trust that Jesus will still be at work, even in separations. Let's look a bit strange to the people around us as we make cuts in our lives for others to know Jesus. And let's seek God's guidance, knowing that our plans may feel like they are constantly changing. Why? Because through it all, we want our prayer to be Acts 16, verse 5. Strengthen us in the faith and grow us daily in number. Amen.